up, everyone? Welcome to Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast. I'm your host, Tess Yanos, and today is day 11 of 31 Days of Horror. We've got some fantastic content coming your way, and I don't want you to miss it. Make sure you are following along on this eerie ensemble of horror escapades on Instagram at OCD Podcast, Facebook at Facebook.com slash OCD Podcast, and Twitter at Ongoing Comic Pod. If you've enjoyed this series so far and want to show your undying love, we would be forever grateful if you could please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. So... We are 20 days away from Halloween and three days from our first ever giveaway. Thanks to the generous dudes over at the Ready to Retro podcast, we are giving away a very undead Halloween package that includes a Walking Dead Daryl Dixon bobblehead, a Walking Dead Volume 1 comic, and OCD stickers. To enter is simple. Just head on over to your favorite OC- uh, your favorite social media of preference, follow Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast, and share your favorite OCD horror post thus far. Tag us in your posts along along with the hashtag 31 days of horror comics and you will be entered into the raffle again make sure to tag ocd along with the hashtag so i can keep track of raffle entries the winner's name will be drawn from an empty vampire coffin on wednesday october 14th when i review the walking dead with max and chris and maybe chels from the ready to retro podcast so please be sure to enter that's one entry per person and it's gonna be a hauntingly good time and now, to introduce today's co-host, not only is he the very first person to ever drop the F-bomb here on OCD, he is also the first person to drop the second F-bomb here on OCD. He is the co-host of the Blast From Our Past podcast, a podcast that delves into a movie, TV, or soundtrack of your nostalgic past. He is also the co-host of Throwback Trivia Takedown, a podcast that tests your nostalgic knowledge as you go head-to-head with a fellow nerd. He is the amazing Adam Spees. What's up, Adam? Hello, Tess. That was a fantastic intro. You forgot to mention that you are uh, one of the official voices behind Throwback Trivia Takedown. If you listen to Throwback Trivia Takedown, you'll hear Tess every single episode, which is a lot of fun. That was one of my favorite voice things to do. I was under a blanket in my room, just like screaming, Throwback Trivia Takedown, over and over and over. Yep. Oh, yeah. We love it. You do good. Round one every time. It's you. It's so good. (laughs) But yeah, that's me Uh, in a nutshell. That is, and you Look are at me. Nut. I'm in a nutshell. Yeah. Look at you. <laughs> well, welcome back. I'm so glad you're here. So, let me just get it done with. Okay. Fuck, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. Okay? Get it. Uh, it's that, done. That, fuckity, that fuck. That is not the last time you uh, no. that word. No, it's not. Just <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, the last time you brought me on, you let me talk Deadpool. And you I did. can't talk you Deadpool did. without getting excited. And I can't get excited without saying bad words. It's what I do. Yeah, I, I walked right into that one, man. Mm-hmm. I mean... Yeah, you have no one else yeah. to blame. No, it, you're, you are officially our first explicit episode ever. And then I was like, you know what? That was kind of fun. I think I want to do that all the time. You let loose. You say what you want. It Doesn't it feel good to just fuck? Yeah. What? <laughs> I mean, like to say fuck. <laughs> I mean, that too. They both feel good. I mean, it does. Yeah, they're, yes, both, they're, yeah. Both, they're both fantastic. You know what I mean, though. I do. I do. But just dig in your hole deeper. Yeah, I am. Whoo, I'm so good at that. That's yes. one of my many talents. <laughs> it's okay. You can, As long as you're yourself here, I'm happy. Yeah. So it's all good. I, I yep. truly am happy to see you, friend. And I hope mm-hmm. you're doing well all the way over there in Georgia. I am. It's hot. It is humid. It's gross. Now, granted... I remember L.A. and like, you know, uh, because I lived up in the valley and things would get like, 
you know, 110 to 114 or something like every year. Like there's a couple like yeah. two weekends every year did it. And like people in the South or other people are like, well, at least it's a dry heat. And I'm like, motherfucker, <laughs> it's still 114 degrees. That's hot. Um, yeah. But but since moving back, it is just like, yeah, you know what? Maybe it's only 85. But when the humidity is this high, it's it's grosser, longer yeah. and it's awful. But you know what? I have a good air conditioning unit and it just it keeps cranking. So I'm okay. I'm surviving. Good. I, I'm from Nashville, so I know mm-hmm. it's like the hug you don't want. Yes. Like, oh, exactly. Like and I'm a sweaty man already. And so the <laughs> second I step outside, it's just like one, one, you feel like you're breathing. You're just like drinking the air. It's like yeah. you step, you're like, oh my God, I can't, I don't <laughs> breathe as fresh because like you're, you're drinking in a half a gallon of water every time. Uh, yeah. And then I just like, you know, I just start dripping. I'm a, I'm a big dude. I'm a sweaty dude. Even even when I was smaller, I'm a sweaty guy. I sweat no matter what. A heavy sweater. <laughs> so it's not, this is not the best for me. But you know what? Cost of living, living is cheaper. So fuck it. <laughs> so fuck it. Yeah. So you are here on a Halloween episode. And thank you so much for being here. You jumped on it right away. And I'm so glad we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. But mm-hmm. I have a question for you. <gasps> What does Halloween mean to you? And I want you to dive into Little Adam. That sounds a little gross, but... Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I want you to... Uh, childlike Adam. What did, yeah. what did kiddo Adam dress up as? I actually have a picture, or I know of a picture of you and your um, yeah. you and your husband. You and your brother. Well, well, you know, whatever. He's my podcast yeah. partner. He's my brother. He's yeah. everything but my husband. There um, you go. Yeah, I've dressed up as... T- as um, one of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I've done that. <laughs> I, I've dressed up as, you know, a little ninja here and there. Jason from um, Friday the 13th a couple times. Uh, I dressed up as a, I remember uh, this one, this one, this was like one of my later ones, like right before you get like tired of doing Halloween. Uh, yeah. But I dressed up as a pregnant woman who walked around with uh, who is cha- a chain smoking pregnant woman the entire time because I was a dumb kid who thought that was funny. It's not really funny. Yeah. Hilarious. You know, um, but yeah, a lot of dumb stuff, but you know, yeah. I-, I love all my nostalgic stuff and Halloween to me though. It means candy, baby. I yeah. love candy. The fat boy in me adores candy. It still adores candy. You know, that's what it's about. I enjoy the dress up. Now I still enjoy the dress up because I'll like, you know, if I go to a con or something like that, I, I appreciate mm-hmm. cosplay. But I'm a candy man. What's <laughs> your candy of choice? For the longest time, it was Butterfinger. That was my top Ooh, thing. Um, mm-hmm. But they kind of changed the formula, I think, over the last like 10 years or something. And so I haven't liked them as much. But as a kid, though, yeah, there was something about that peanut buttery, crispity Butterfinger that always did it for me. It's so, those are so good. Those were actually my favorite as a kid. I used to call them fingernails. So I would request <laughs> fingernails. Yeah. They get stuck in your teeth so oh, hard, God. though. Yeah. That's why I like the ice cream. The ice cream's better because they don't get – it's not as much. Yeah, you ever have Butterfinger good. ice cream? I've never had that, but I will soon. Put it on your list, pal. Yeah. Did you ever dress up as Batman? I, my brother did. Now, John mm. has definitely, because I remember there's a picture. Okay. I have a picture. He was a Batman. Abby, our sister was a, was a Batgirl. And I went as Spider-Man. Uh, this is where we have a picture of that. Um, but, and all with like homemade costumes. So none of them were particularly good, but they weren't of bad. Course. Our mom did it. She did as good as she could. And I, we appreciate it. Oh, that's so sweet. That's yeah. awesome though. But you are a Batman fan. Yes, I am. So, as we mentioned before, I love Deadpool, and I'm a big Marvel Comics guy, but when it comes to 
some of the absolute greatest stories in all of comics, mm-hmm. you got to go Batman. He's absolutely yeah. amazing. He has got just some of the absolute top tier um, like trade paperbacks and just like kind of, you know, single set stories compared to anybody. This is actually, so I did a couple days ago with uh, the Joey from Ninja Toidles. Mm-hmm. I reviewed TMNT Batman crossover comic, which was really cool. Nice. And then I, we've also done Deceased, which is another Batman okay. comic. And then uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. So this is our yep, fourth Halloween Batman that's episode. A, wow, that's a lot. And Arkham Asylum, of those, I've only read the Arkham Asylum one. And that one is, there's a lot of interesting, creepy artwork, particularly with that one. So creepy. That was probably one of my favorite Jokers Yeah. in that one. Very cool. I don't know if you remember him, but... I do. Um, yeah. Uh, so today we're actually reviewing long, the long... Batman. The long Halloween 1996 comic. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose this one? So this has always... Since I read it, was immediately one of my absolute favorite Batman stories. Like mm-hmm. I, I read this one, and then when anybody said, "Oh, what is you know?" If they needed a recommendation on what comic to read, um, or a Batman that they've never read, I said, "Read Long Halloween." Read Long Halloween. It is so good. It's so interesting. There's some really interesting twists in it later on the line, which yeah. I'm sure we'll discuss. Um, but like, it's incredibly well written. It is awesomely drawn, in my opinion. I fucking love Tim Sale's artwork. I actually saw him at a uh, Denver Comic-Con and oh. I had to be like, I had to pony up and be like, Mr. Tim Sale, he was, cause he was doing commissions. And I was like, yeah. um, please take all my money and, and draw a Catwoman for me because did, his oh, Catwoman did. is by far my favorite Catwoman of all Catwomen. I'm just really? not, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And you have that art. You have I have, yeah, I, I have a, a Catwoman. It's actually not exactly that one. I said, draw a Catwoman. He, I didn't say, please draw the Catwoman from Long Halloween, so we draw a different <laughs> one, but she's still an awesome one. Um, but yeah, the Long Halloween Catwoman is, is I think, the most interesting um, way that Catwoman has ever been drawn. And I think, mm. in my opinion, the most practical way that, that she can be drawn. Because one of the more interesting things about that character is, I mean, she's very feminine, but she's mm-hmm. also very um, lethal and, and, yeah. and very strong. In a lot of the ways she's drawn, they really emphasize the the femininity, which is fine. I don't I have, that's, I have no issues with that. I I yeah. like that, if I'll say so myself. <laughs> prefer that, yeah. And and this one also is very sexy in Long Halloween. But there's also all this definition and all this muscle in this Catwoman that when when she like has fights with Batman, you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, she she could go head to head with Batman. Where other yeah. times Batman just kind of like dominates her on his size, and you're like. Um, you know, it's, it'd be kind of hard to believe also knowing how good of a martial artist Batman is that it'd be kind of hard to believe that Catwoman would stand as much of a chance as she always does. But in this one, it's like, yeah, she is just as intimidating as Batman. And I love it. Yeah, no, she's great in this one. The only thing about it was like her head. I didn't really know about the ears part, but I guess they were very much to a cat ear very literally. A lot of know? people kind of refer it to rat woman because a lot of people think it looks more, <laughs> she looks more like a rat in this one than us. Cause yeah, the, the ears are totally different. They, they do, but they do kind of look more like cat ears than a lot of the other, like, you know, generic cat woman ears that you see or cat woman, yeah. you know, drawings. But like, I don't know. It is, it's very unique. It's a very unique looking cat woman. And I think that's mm-hmm. partly why I, um, and she's got, a, she's got the long tail on this one. And yeah. cat woman does not, she rarely has a tail. And so, I think it just kind of it fit really well in my opinion. I don't know why. I liked the purple suit. Everything yeah, I was about say, it. Purple suit was awesome. Mm-hmm. I like that purple suit. 
Yeah, bring bring back the purple suit. Yes. <laughs> uh, so I want to talk about the writer for a little bit. I am not familiar with Jeff Loeb, and he spells it J-E-P-H. Yes. So cool. Does that bother cool. you? Uh, no, I'm not bothered at all. Okay. I was just like, I was like, Jeff, quite, quite literally, Jeff, all right, Jeff, with yes. PH. He, what else has he written? What do you know him from? I was just about to tell you some more. Um, oh, please tell me. Some other fantastic Batman stories is probably what I best know him for. Now, granted, he's written um, quite a bit of some, I believe, some Green Lantern, if I remember correctly. Um, I think, unless I'm okay. getting him screwed up with Grant Morrison in my head, but they probably <laughs> both written. I know Grant Morrison did Green Lantern, but probably Jeff Loeb did too. Anyway, the ones that I have written or read uh, from Jeff Loeb include kind of this trilogy, even though it's not really a trilogy, that he did with Tim Sale. The first one being Haunted Night, which is a much shorter book. Um, It's another really good one. It doesn't actually, it's not a prequel to this. It actually came out before this one, but it doesn't really tie into this. Um, But it has some similar aspects to it. And that... um, that one was fantastic. It's kind of Mad Hatter was the main villain in that one. And then there is the direct um, uh, sequel to Long Halloween, which is called Dark Victory, which I Ooh. absolutely love as well. And I haven't read that one in so long. I've actually read Halloween way more times than I've read Dark Victory, but I remember really liking Dark, Vic- Dark Victory. So I need to read that one uh, probably pretty dang soon. Maybe this weekend I'll get to it. Yeah. And then if you haven't read Batman Hush, Jeff Loeb has written that. I love that one. Jeff Loeb oh wrote gosh. Hush. Uh, oh, I, I can't think wait to review that one. On here. It's a really good one. Some people don't like it, but some people are stupid. Um, okay, yeah. <laughs> Hush, Hush is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. No, Hush was good. I cannot wait to review that one. That one mm-hmm. I really want to pick apart for sure in cool. the future. But this, so Batman Long Halloween, this is a whole, a whopping 13 issues, but it took me no time to read it because it really is like a lot of the wording is in the emotional expression of the characters. Yeah. You know, like, you know, like they'll have whole pages and, and Batman and Gordon are talking and, and they're saying like two words to each other, but there's also like two panels of them just looking at each other. Mm-hmm. I'm like, there are so many words within that look. And oh, yeah. that's how you know the art is amazing. Yeah, they do a great job of their facial expressions and you just really understanding, you know, what they are emoting, um, you know, in each panel. 100% yeah. agree. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So let's just dive right in, my friend. Um, the, this is definitely a unique story and I liked how it was picked apart. And uh, here we go. I'm going to do a little summary here. Okay. Okay. Taking place during Batman's early days of crime fighting, this, it says new edition, I read the 2011 edition of the classic mystery, tells the story of a mysterious killer who murders his prey only on holidays. Working with District Attorney Harvey Dent and Lieutenant James Gordon, Batman races against the clock as he tries to discover who Holiday is before he claims his next victim each month. A mystery that has the reader continually guessing the identity of the killer. This story also ties into the events that transform Harvey Dent into Batman's deadly enemy, Two-Face. Yes. Dun-dun-dun. This is the perfect Halloween comic because it literally opens up on Halloween. I mean, it's called Halloween, hello, <laughs> but uh, or long Halloween, but like it's it opens up on Halloween. I don't know if it's on Halloween, but it's definitely during the month of October. Just mm-hmm. we just start off right in the middle of a of a what do you call it? Um, a, a mob deal kind yeah. of thing with Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, this is good. I like how it opens. It is. It is absolutely. Yeah. Th- so. They go through an entire year, pretty much starting mm-hmm. on Halloween and ending on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it kind of called the long Halloween because 
I guess it yeah. it's bookended by it, and it's kind of like this just these this year of deaths that are happening. Right. Um, but yeah, that first that first book I think does a great job of setting setting us up for this murder mystery that we're ha- that we're going to be on. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say a thrill ride, but we're going to be on um, just like this curious tale throughout throughout entire year. Do you do you like mob stories? Um, or gangster stories? I don't know what you call them. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've seen. Yeah, I guess so. I, I, I wouldn't say it's my normal go-to, but like when I think back, I'm like, yeah, I love Goodfellas. I love Godfather. I love uh, Casino. I love all, you know, all that kind of stuff. I mean, so yeah. yeah, I would say so. Well, you say Godfather. There's a lot of Godfather imagery. Like right away, where we've got that that rose smelling moment with uh, yeah, uh, Car- Car- Carmine, Carmine Roman, Carmine mm-hmm. Fran- Francone. Or yeah. Franco. I always said Franconi in my head. I'm not sure how you're <laughs> supposed to pronounce it, but I always pronounce the E because he's Italian, so I feel like it should be pronounced. Yeah. So I, I always said Franconi. Falcone, I let's, mean, not Franconi, Falcone. Fal- let's, let's, for this episode, let's call him Falcone. And if Falcone. we're wrong, so what? Suck it, everybody. <laughs> Suck it, everybody. This is Tessa's podcast, and she said I could do it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have permission to be yourself Yay. here, Adam, whatever you want to do. <laughs> All right. Um, so... First off, I just want to discuss a few themes here that I really love and we'll super dive into. We'll dive into it month by month because this, I mean, mm. it's 13 issues. We can go as long as we want here. I just, like, it's its easy to pick apart. It's beautifully told and unfolded. We think that it's the story of Batman, but it's actually the story of Harvey Dent. Yes, it is. And, you know, I, I don't know if you, because you are still somewhat newer to comics, had you seen, other than watching The Dark Knight, had you seen a, um, you know, I- introduction or the, the transition from Harvey Dent to Two-Face before in comics? Just the movie. Just the movie. Okay, movie. good. <laughs> and there's a lot of similarities. Actually, um, definitely Christopher Nolan took a lot from Long Halloween and put it mm-hmm. into The Dark Knight. You can tell. I mean, there's some things like... There's that big cash burning moment that Batman and uh, uh, Commissioner Gordon do. Well, he's Captain Gordon in this um, early on. And there's a whole big cash burning thing that Mm -hmm. that turns it to the Joker who does it in um, uh, the Dark Knight movie. Uh, But there's just a whole bunch of other similarities with it as well. But yeah, yeah. no, I I actually know um, I'm trying to rack my brain what his name is. As soon as you say it, I'm going to go, damn it. It's the the, the second uh, in um, the the men in black guy. Come on. Come on. Tell Tommy me. Lee Jones. Thank you. Yes. I loved him because that's actually my first introduction. And I can't remember that movie um, exactly, but I definitely yeah. remember the half purple face. The half purple face. Yeah. Tommy Lee Jones was was you could tell he was just having a fun time. On set, yeah. just being a, just being kind of ridiculous with Jim Carrey. Oh my gosh! I mean, wouldn't you? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I would have soaked it up. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and also, I found a little factoid here. This is after Batman, Batman Year One by Frank Miller and David mm-hmm. Masuccelli, I believe. Uh, did you read that one? I have read that. I only read it once uh, a while ago. I mean, but that really dives into the mobster gangster side of Gotham before, kind of the freaks come out. And that is something that we see here in this book is, you know, the transition of Gotham being run by the mob, uh, the Falcone family and the um, uh, Salvatore uh, Maroni's family as well. Mm -hmm. And transitioning to like the jokers, the freaks taking over Gotham. A lot of them coming partly because they even say in this one, partly because of Batman, he draws these people. 
So can you explain that to me? Because I don't quite, I'm tr- I've been racking my brain because I found that in a couple of, I watched a couple YouTube videos to make sure that I was interpreting this correctly. Mm-hmm. Um, and a couple of them said that, but they didn't dive into how that's possible. I don't understand. Why would they want to come out because of Batman? Well, I think they're just attracted to, you know, that, that idea of taking down this other freak. Like they say, okay. you know, the Joker, the Joker loves and hates Batman more than mm-hmm. anybody. Like I, Joker... Honestly, I don't know if he'd really know what to do with himself if he killed Batman um, because he adores him. And I think he sees himself as the other side of Batman, Um, you know, that they are two sides of the same coin. You know, I guess similar enough with with Two-Face on that. But so all these other freaks kind of like they're flocked to Gotham City because they're like, what is this? Who who is this weird freak Batman guy? And so like they're they're kind of taking over uh, the city because of that. Um, but I, I think that's really where it is, is he is he's just like this magnet for these other people, which is crazy to me. And I love it at the same time, because that's why I really I'm drawn to Batman so much. Not only did I like my dad introduced it to me when I was a kid, so I freaking love it. But also so super nostalgic for me, but also like these freaks, per se, they're like the outcasts of society, mm-hmm. which you know, I kind of felt like that person. Right. So it's, I super relate to them, but I love them that they're like so eccentric and different and mm-hmm. super awesome, you know? Yeah. It, it also creates a really interesting dynamic with Batman and the city, in my opinion, to Ooh, where yeah. a lot of other, you know, comic book heroes will come about to help save a city from these freaks. But with Batman, he might actually put Gotham in bigger danger because these people are are kind of as as I said they're they're drawn to him and so they're making the city more dangerous maybe partly because he's there so if he was not around would Gotham be safer <laughs> it's it's kind of you have to think about that I mean yeah and it's like his whole thing and he keeps saying it the whole time he's like I will avenge my parents death mm-hmm. and it's like Batman why don't you just leave Gotham like go to Ohio or something man like yeah. just leave <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you know take a vacation man chill out See, Oh my gosh, can you imagine Batman taking a vacation to somewhere else? Yeah. <laughs> it's like that helicopter parent that feels like they have to be around all the time, but then yeah. they actually don't. Like, the kid's going to be just fine. Like, just leave them alone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, good old Batman. Okay, major question here, Mr. Adam. Mm-hmm. How do you like your Batman? Muscular or thin? Uh, I'm a muscular man. Um, I mean, I'm not muscular, but Batman... <laughs> has trained his body to peak human conditioning. And so he needs to be at like, and in my opinion, peak human body shape isn't necessarily, I'm a big bodybuilder fan. I love like the- Arnold. You love Arnold. I love Arnold. I adore Arnold. Um, Frank Zane, I think is the greatest body of all time in the history of bodies. Um, He won the uh, Mr. Olympia in 77 and 78. And I think 79 as well. Um, nice. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you know that. I, uh, I that can, so I can <laughs> probably name every single Mr. Olympia from the start uh, back in 1965 with Larry Scott uh, and keep That's going. Amazing. But So I, I'm a big fan of bodies. But when okay. it comes to athletic bodies, male gymnasts, I think, are some of the greatest bodies. And there are some very strong V-shape, very strong muscular guys. Think of like a Cheney Humphrey from the 1996 Olympics. I think he had one of the peak big, huge, strong male gymnast bodies. And that's what I would imagine my Batman to have something similar. So that's, I like, because he's, he has trained. He ha- he is so strong to be able to fight these freaks with like the Banes of the world who have these, you know, all this strength and all this other stuff. He has to be in peak 
human condition. And so I like my Batman um, a little bit muscular, and maybe it's because I like muscles, um, yeah. than I do slimmer. So. Okay, well, see, like, from, like, what I think, and I just think very practically, but I'm very new to comics, and you know, um, excuse me, you know Batman a lot more than I do, in in the comic world anyway. I know him more in the the movie world. Um, I think of Batman, like, the way he swings from building to building, kind of like Spider-Man, and Spider-Man's like this lanky, lanky kid. Yeah. Um, It's just so interesting to me that... He probably weighs like 300 pounds and he's just full muscle. Like, how does he do that? Yeah, I mean, when you're talking physics, you're probably more correct, okay? So when it comes to comics, Adam says, fuck physics, Yes, fuck physics. I don't need physics in my comics at all. Right. Well, um, it's funny because when I talked to Joey from Ninja Turtles about Batman, he said that he likes him like when... He likes that he's huge because it's that intimidation as- aspect of yeah. it. Yeah, that's a huge part of Batman as well. You even get yeah. a little bit of that when he says he was out in the day fighting some of these mobsters, and they're not as scared of him because they can see him in, in complete, where right. at the dark, he is scary. He is intimidating. He's big, monstrous. And so yeah. um, it is. It's, it, that's, a, that's a huge intimidating factor or a huge factor of his um, attack plan is intimidation. Yeah, well, it's funny because also you were me- mentioning uh, Catwoman earlier and like how she's very, very muscular. And for a woman, like there's not really a woman that's super, super muscular and huge at the same time. I'm sure they exist in the world. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I've met six foot women in roller derby days. But um, but when it comes to like when he there's this shot, I say shot, but you know what I'm talking about. There's this <laughs> panel where we see Batman and he's probably three times the size of Catwoman. Mm-hmm. But like he's still he's still intimidated by her, which is amazing. It's like, he can be this huge, gigantic guy. And as we I'm bringing this up because I, I have so much Batman knowledge right now. When I saw Batman in Arkham Asylum, you certain, and since you read it, maybe you mm-hmm. can agree. He is this character. Like he's definitely on the inside. He's this guy that's like gooey and gushy. And he even, um, questions his own abilities. So like mm-hmm. on the, like on the outside, he may be like this gigantic dude, but on the inside, he's like, He's, he's ready to talk about his feelings. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Uh, he has to hold a lot back being Batman. Yeah. And so I think, you know, there there are those moments and that there is that stuff inside that he can't let out. But when he is having his internal monologues or whatnot, you see that. Um, and you see that in here, too. Yeah. Uh, very similar where he is like trying to, you know, he's talking to himself like, oh, I, I believe in Harvey Dent. I believe in Gordon. You know, he's like he's trying to. You know, show some of his emotion and show some of his sensitivity of, you know, he wants the help and he craves it. But he can't go out and just ask for it because he's fucking Batman. He has to be stone cold. Yeah. And it's funny because when I saw that this is the early days of his career, I definitely saw like the novice aspect of him. Because Mm -hmm. so, okay, do you like Batman as a detective Batman? Because I've definitely like read some stories where he's not really a detective. He's just kind of like a crime fighter kind of guy. But this one, he certainly dives into just being like the detective guy. You know what yeah, I mean? This is this is more detective on that aspect. He, he doesn't. What I do like about this one that I see in so many Batman stories is he has so many gadgets and he has so many like ways to solve these problems right away that this problem and probably because it's early in his career he hasn't figured out how to solve this problem immediately right away. Right. And so this is in his growth state where he is learning and he's becoming a better detective um, where, you know, five years from now, he would just, let me just put this in my back computer. Boop, 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 beep, boop, boop, boop. Yeah. Okay. It's uh, this person. <laughs> 
What's his name? Lucius Fox? Lucius Fox. Can you yeah, fix this? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Here, invent this thing that just solves all my problems, and let me use a bat belt thing to do it. And he doesn't have that stuff here, which I think is the far more interesting Batman. I'm not a big fan of, like, the ultra-tech, know-everything, solve-everything-in-an-instant Batman. Now, some people Ooh. really like that, but I yeah. like my Batman a little bit more human. Okay, this conversation is getting good. Okay, so we're really dissecting Batman here. I mean, we're 30 minutes in. And I'm just having so much fun with this conversation. I know we haven't even started in October, but like Batman himself, like I've never actually picked him apart. And this is just a beautiful way. It's like muscular part, the tech part, the early stages of him. Let's like, go back to Alfred, the muscular part. Muscular I part. <laughs> I love I love muscles. Muscles. Uh, you know, I haven't really decided if I like muscles in comics yet. I, I feel like they're so over-exaggerated and I'm kind oh. of a realist in some some aspects superman is really fucking hunky um <laughs> i don't mind this. <laughs> he's enough. an alien adam he can yeah. have muscles uh okay uh, there's many aliens that i've thought looked good too so i have no issues with that <laughs> that's a whole nother ocd podcast yeah aliens that look good with muscles <laughs> yeah Okay, so let's start with October here. Let's let's set the scene a little bit. So we are at uh, Falcone's. Um, we start in the office. They're actually at a wedding, so they're kind of to the side here. Um, Bruce Wayne is talking to Carmine, the Roman Falcone, mm -hmm. about laundering money, and Bruce Wayne is like, "Fuck you, dude. This is not happening. Uh, no, I'm a good guy, right?" Yeah, because he's he's the uh, like a bank. He's in a, on a bank board um and, and carmine is you know trying to get them to launder his money for him and you know all these other people on the board would probably do it but you know batman is basically the or bruce wayne yes. is the yes, deciding right. vote he's not batman here as i as i screwed up but um no. and so carmine yeah he wants to try and convince him but you know in in the actual you know world bruce wayne is a very moral person yeah, I mean, and so is Batman, except for at the end when he beats that guy to smithereens. I was to say, yeah, I mean, he is, guy. but he isn't. He goes outside the law. He he constantly breaks and enters. He constantly uh, commits, you know, uh, assault and yeah. battery on people all the time. Like all the time. Yeah, yeah. and he's probably using um, illegal weapons and using illegal frequencies and things like that. That you know, he 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 skirts the line. So yeah. I wouldn't say he is uh, super moral, but at the same time, we know he is because you know he's doing it for the greater good. But he's also figuring out who he is as Batman. So maybe he's mm -hmm. crossing off things on the list where he's like, that doesn't feel good. Yeah. Cross that off. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> We've all been there. Um, but this is also where we meet Alberto Falcone, which is de the designated the good son, mm -hmm. uh, which we find out he's not so good. Well, well, well OK, we'll get into that. But well, then we also how, meet. I don't know. Right? I was going to say, how early do you want to dive into stuff? Let's wait. Let's let's give it. Let's give it. A, I mean, let's they, give these people a twist <laughs> later. No, do not tell them the twist. Oh my god! Can I just say I was so surprised by the twist at the end. I even audibly gasped. I was like, oh, I didn't see that. But uh, my my retort is which twist? Because there was a twist and true. then another twist on the end on that twist. <laughs> true. So true. Oh my god! I'm loving this conversation right now. I'm so glad you're here. Okay. So we also are meeting Selena Kyle, who mm -hmm. I, who is also Catwoman and. What is so funny to me is that Selena and Bruce, they love each other, mm -hmm. but Batman and Catwoman don't know each other. If you saw your wife <laughs> and you heard her voice or saw her mannerisms or saw the way she even walked or thought, wouldn't you go, hey, you look familiar? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, yes. Now, again, <laughs> right? you're talking lo logical, like... 
physics and eyesight and memory and how that right. works. That is not how comic books work. Okay. Superman puts on glasses and takes them off and everyone forgets that. That's a little bit. At least these people have like cowls over their face. You know, they at right. least have a full mask on. Right. So. Okay. All right. So but we yeah. forgive because it's comics and we are in, in, in a moment of disillusionment. Yes. We'll just let it be. Exactly. We'll let it be. Okay. And so um, they're at this party. They're at the wedding. So I want to cut to, um, and we're, uh, oh, actually, there's the safe. The safe that's in mm-hmm. the study. Batman's, or Bruce Wayne thinks, hey, later I'm going to go check out this safe in the study. But Catwoman also thinks the same thing. Yes. Very interesting. And they find a ledger in there with... Um, what is in this ledger? Uh, so this is the one that has all of uh, Carmine Falcone's, like, business deals, right? Or uh... Yeah, I think it's something like that. I think it's literally like a line by line about yes. um, what's going on. Yeah, and, and that's really important later. But what I think is so beautiful is this bro romance that's going on between Commissioner Gordon, or Captain Gordon in this instance, mm-hmm. Harvey Dent, yep. who is the, forgive District me. District Attorney. Uh, Thank you very much. And then we have this Batman dynamic who they don't know is Bruce Wayne. Yes. But the way you call it a bromance is 100% correct. Like the the three of them really, they feel that they are the moral um, path for Gotham City and they need each other. And so they, and they are just like, man, man, bro, I can't do this without you, bro. And Gordon's like, (laughs) yeah, dude, I totally need you guy. And then the other guy's like, yeah, guy, let's do this Holmes. And like, that's them. (laughs) That is the long Halloween in a nutshell. Thank you for tuning in to Ongoing. <laughs> no, exactly. And this like carries on throughout the entire book until the very end, which is like so crazy. So, okay. So help me out here. Cause honestly, like this was a little bit hard for me to follow because it was a very old style of storytelling comics. We definitely don't have to go line by line, mm-hmm. but we are introduced to a killer, not directly introduced, but we hear about a killer that uses a 22 caliber gun and a baby mm-hmm. bottle, uh, uh, excuse me, a silencer. He, for a silencer, he uses a baby, baby bottle nipple. There we go. <laughs> That's a good word. Baby bottle nipple. Baby bottle nipple. Um, and, uh, so yeah, Falcone is just not giving up. He wants Wayne Enterprises to help him launder his money. And the board of Wayne Enterprises is like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. And Wayne and, uh, Bruce Wayne's like, nah, bruh, do you see my name is on the sign out there? We're not doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so there's this guy named Richard Daniels and I can't, what is his role? He's basically, he is the bank president, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Okay, and so he, uh, I love that he shows up, He, ba- excuse me, Batman shows up where Richard Daniels is like, hey, honey, I'm coming up with a drink. Yeah. And Batman's like, Richard Daniels, don't, you're don't not you, going to do. Yeah, it, I always thought that was a bit obvious because like Bruce Wayne and Richard Daniels just had that conversation in the boardroom where Bruce Wayne's like, no, I don't want to be part of this. And then Batman shows up in his house saying, don't do that thing that Bruce Wayne just told you. Isn't that a little on the nose with who Batman is then? I know. Guys, come on. Where Did these guys not go to school in Gotham? Because yeah. they can't, like, they can't yeah. figure stuff out. Very poor educational this. system. We are breaking apart the Gotham uh, Board of Education and their school system. This is atrocious. Oh, my 
Gosh, I was first introduced to Gotham High in a Harley Quinn comic that I reviewed in July with Emily, and uh, it was very, it was, it, they had a good educational system there, but I don't mm. know about <laughs> right here in this comic. Um, okay, so, all right, this is when the murders stop ha- start happening. So Richard Daniels is murdered. Uh, Johnny Falcone, which is um, the the Roman that we've discussed at the beginning. It's his, uh, Carmine it's his Falcone. Uh, and then it's Johnny Vitti. Johnny he is murdered in a tub, which is another Godfather imagery we've got yep, going on here. Very much so. And so we know that Johnny Vitti kills Richard um, Brian or whatever his name was, Richard mm-hmm. Daniel. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, and then Johnny Vitti later gets killed in his bathtub. He had exactly a great panel where it's all black yes. and white. And then just like that blood in the tub looks really strong imagery. And. And the, the token, there's, you know, the yep. token that he leaves according to the holiday. So this one, he leaves an orange pumpkin and it is the only color in there, except for the red blood as well. Mm-hmm. It's like the murder scene and then the token that he leaves according to the holiday that he is murdered upon. It is left at the scene along with the gun sometimes, which is very interesting. I'm just going to leave my gun here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just their, that, that killer's calling card, apparently. Yes. So everybody's like, what the heck is going on? Um, and before we leave October, if you could please explain the De- the Harvey Dent and Batman with the cash in the warehouse moment. Yes. So um, because the bank has not been um, laundering Carmine Falcone's money, uh, mm-hmm. Carmine has basically put all of his cash into just a, a factory. It's just literally in stacks on the factory because he can't launder it right now. And so um, he just doesn't know, doesn't know how, until that bank thing moves through, he can't uh, do anything with it. So Batman and Harvey Dent know where it's at or find out where it's at. And so they kind of want to do a strike a blow to Carmine. And so they light that shit up. <laughs> they do. And what's so funny before that happens is that Harvey Dent's like, hey, you know, what if we just kind of take some? I know. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you? I totally would. <laughs> right? Can I, I mean, Batman doesn't. Off? Yeah, Batman doesn't need to. He's got that much, you know, in his back pocket in his debit card. But Harvey Dent, you know, you see his house. It's a, it's a, it's a little house, and he's a district attorney. You know, he's he should. Well, grand district attorneys are all you know basically public attorneys. They don't. I don't think they make a huge amount. Mm-hmm. But I would. I. I'd grab a couple fat stacks. Yeah. Just, a, just a <laughs> stuff. Little stuff bit. them in my boxers and then keep going. Yeah, I mean, who's going to check you? I mean, you yeah. got in there successfully. Nobody's going to know you were there. Your fingerprints are going to be burnt up. Why not take a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but also, it's funny because as an audience, as an audience member, as a reader, you kind of look at it and you're like, wait, and Batman kind of checks him. He's like, yeah, but we're not. And stop fucking mm-hmm. thinking that way, dude. Yeah. And so then now we're like, wait, wait a minute. Okay, wait. So Dent kind of has a little bad guy in him. You know what I mean? The, and they, they make uh, allusions to that constantly throughout this until the yeah. very end when when you get that big turn um but yeah you're exactly you're getting this is just a little bit where like eh, everybody would have this thought and then he starts thinking meaner stuff later but absolutely he you can tell that he's got a little bad streak in him yeah you're like what's, what's going on in the head there mr mr yeah. dent it's very good foreshadowing Oh, so good. So good. Um, so, and then right before we leave October here, once again, Dent's house, there's a bomb. There's a there's a package that arrives at his house. And actually, we meet Gilda, his mm-hmm. wife, his very loving wife, who immediately complains that she doesn't see him enough. And yep. then she says, there's a package for you. It came here a couple hours ago. And boom, his house explodes. Yep. And we, we think he's dead. Exactly. Wouldn't yeah. have 
Damn. I mean, Which actually is something that also happened very similarly in the Dark Knight movie. Um, not exactly like that, but there was a, where he had a, um, you know, they even had like a, a a funeral for Harvey Dent and stuff like that where he was hiding that he was dead, but he wasn't actually dead. So they, they another thing that Christopher Nolan pulled from this book and put into that film. See, okay, so I love this. Never in my entire life have I been like, you know what, I read the comic and now I'm going to watch the movie and see how it relates. I'm doing it very backwards, very mm-hmm. backwards. Um, so this is very interesting that I'm able to be like, Hey, that was in long Halloween, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, this is, this is a cool moment for me. <laughs> Good. Yeah. I mean, dark Knight, the movie is an amalgam of a couple different books, but you can definitely tell some of the moments from here, which is just a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to jump right here into Thanksgiving. This is when we meet Mickey, who is kind of a goon of yeah. which one, which of the bad guys, Falcone? Uh, no, uh, no, no, no. Well, he's just kind of like this uh, this hireable Irish gang that he runs, um, and, and they're just kind of like, you know, uh, goons for hire. That's exactly what they are. Yeah, goons for hire, and he's like, they're trying to interrogate him, and they're like, you know, we know you put the bomb in. We trace back the nails that were in the bomb. and Which I don't think is to- true, by the way. I don't <laughs> think every nail has a serial number. Um, I saw that, and I was like, wait a minute, I'm going to go look up some nails. I don't, they're not numbers on all my nails. <laughs> That would take terribly too long, wouldn't it? Like, yeah. Just... Yeah, it's a hey. bit ridiculous. <laughs> it traces back back to this warehouse. <laughs> a block away from your house. Mm-hmm. Like, what? Bro. Or not the uh, hardware store, right? The hardware store we bought it from. Yep. We have the yep. receipts. We have the receipts. We also bought a house plant. What is yeah. that about? Yeah, anyway. So this kind of happens around Thanksgiving. And like we said before, the holiday uh, serial killer guy, who they have not really um, seen a a pattern because there is no pattern. He's only murdered on Halloween. So Thanksgiving Mm -hmm. comes around. And um, and this also shows the moment where we see that Gordon, both Gordon and Dent, they miss Thanksgiving dinner, which shows that they're like, they're they're sacrificing like their personal lives or their relationships yep. with their wives to solve this murder. It's, it's eating them alive. Yep, absolutely. I mean, that is yeah. a, a huge aspect of both of their characters. I would say more so um, Commissioner Gordon, only because you see that for quite a bit of, you know, his until um, his wife eventually dies um but that that's just that is their thing they are literally like obsessed with their work yeah i mean they're passionate about it but dang just go home for thanksgiving dinner guys come on i know yeah so this is also where we meet solomon grundy he -hmm. says solomon grundy born on a monday i yeah born on a monday i guess that's what (laughs) he would say kind of rhyme have you who is solomon grundy i've never met him so that that is a um like a not really a nursery rhyme um, but that, that is, that is where they get the character mm-hmm. and there's, it's, a, it's like a kid's rhyme or whatever. And so that the Solomon Grundy is an undead villain. Um, he mm-hmm. actually was the basis for the Hulk. Uh, Marvel <gasps> comics took Solomon Grundy and were like, Hey, we want to have a big, strong, angry dude. And so they made the Hulk who actually was gray originally oh. looking very similar to Solomon Grundy. And then they kind of turned over to, to green ink after that. And he became, he got his own depth and stuff like that, but he is pretty much a knockoff of Solomon Grundy. Now, Solomon Grundy is not nearly as powerful as the Hulk has become. Um, but yeah, he is just a, a strong, basically a strong zombie, kind of okay. dim, dim-witted character in the That's in funny. the Gotham universe. Yeah, that's funny. I actually did look at him and I was like, you look like the old-timey old time, old Hulk yeah, over there. Yeah, and there are, there's good reason for that. 
Yeah, he just kind of lives in the sewer. Mm -hmm. and um, But anyways, I'm going to skip a few things here. But this is also... Okay, so this is interesting to me, and please stop me or fill in the holes here. Um, this is where, I, okay, so this story was good, but there were moments, like I said before, the way it's told in the old comic form, I'm not really used to, mm -hmm. and I couldn't really follow along too closely. So if I skip something or say something incorrect, please, please stop me. Um, so we start to think that Dent killed Johnny here, and they're still trying to interrogate Mickey, trying to get it out of him, what him and his Irish goons thought about, and then. We have a moment that's very interesting and very orchestrated very carefully where Mickey and his goon buds, they kind of rehearse these lines saying that, you know, kind of uh, telling the story of uh, their alibi, essentially, mm -hmm. how they didn't bomb uh, Harvey Dent's house. Yep. Right. Exactly. Which is all because they were hired by Carmine and, and, and that's basically all this whole thing is, is, you know, they're just, they have their alibi set up. They have all this kind of stuff or stuff set up and, um, we're not alibi cause they're all confessing, um, but right. they're all confessing to different parts. Um, but it's all part of that plan because, you know, um, yeah. Carmine and them wanted to blow up Harvey yeah. Dent's. Yeah. Then the next moment we see that Harvey Dent is who we thought was dead, but now we see that he's very much alive and he takes off a mask where he was Mickey. Yeah, I thought I always thought this was kind of a weird spot. Okay. Like they could have done a reveal in a different way. Like, how would this gang not realize and he's he... not Mickey and he uh, and he he sounds different? You know, I know he might maybe he's a, maybe he's just the best impressionist artist. He's DA slash impression artist uh, Harvey Dent. Um, yeah. So I, I never really cared for that. That seemed pretty unplausible. Um, yeah. I would believe a 300 pound Batman can jump around like a ballerina more than I can <laughs> believe that. But I think they were just trying to figure out a dramatic reveal that Harvey is uh, still alive. But this is also very much a foreshadowing of Two Face. Yes, it he is. Literally plays Two Face yeah. here. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Um, and so these guys, they later make bail, and then they're shot. <laughs> More killings. They get lit the fuck up. Lit TF up. So we're going to jump into good old Christmas here, and I love that they introduce the Joker. This Joker has five, probably 500,000 teeth. I was He's a very toothy Joker. I was thinking that was my same comment. <laughs> How did you like the Joker here? Tell me. Uh, he's definitely not my favorite drawn Joker. Um, and this is this is a very early Joker. You know, they're they're still mm -hmm. now. Granted, this story came out in 1996, so it's not like a it's not like Joker hadn't already been um, well established in the you know world of comics at this time. But the character of Joker is still very early. He is he is homicidal. He is nuts. But he's not as bad as we know because he's not in charge of Gotham yet. He is not right. the big name. You know, he people know him enough for kind of, you know, as one of those like just other freaks. Yeah. But he is not the overwhelming massive psychopath that everyone is super afraid of because people are more afraid of the mobs in town. And so I do like the aspect that this is this is a young Joker. This is a Joker who who's trying to earn his dues with <laughs> if yeah, there's not a better way to keep. put it <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely trying to prove that you should follow him and he mm -hmm. is the joker and yeah. all these things which is okay so forgive me who is who is murdered during december uh it's, december has hold on I don't remember somebody right. dies here <laughs> somebody dies because someone always dies every month well Almost every month. Every month. Uh, yes, 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 yes. yes. We'll this, is very true. Uh, this one mm -hmm. is 
Oh, the uh, the bodyguard. Um, uh, um, uh, Carmine Falcone's close bodyguard, and I can't remember the guy's name, but but he dies. So this whole comic is really just showing like the the competition that there is between these two mob families, essentially, mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out who the holiday killer is. And now they're like, oh shit, this person kills on holidays. They have a pattern. Who is this person? Maybe it's the same person. Fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Um, but we also meet Calendar Man. Can you explain Calendar Man? I've never met him before. Sure. Have you? Ca- I I have not seen Calendar Man in any other comics besides this one in Dark mm. Victory. Um, he's not like a huge Batman villain. He is a he's a small time villain, honestly. Um, yeah. But what they do here, they really make him far more interesting. He was a much more, I believe, like a comical, kind of just like a, he wasn't as interesting of a Batman villain, but here they give him the Hannibal Lecter vibe. That's exactly what they do is they put him in this whole thing where Batman comes to him for advice, trying to figure out who the hell is Holiday. Like they first thought, is it him? Because he does his deeds, you know, around holidays and, and, and focused, you know, on themes for holidays and, and whatever his crimes are. And they're not always there. Some of them are, I think they're murder. I think he's done a whole bunch of different types of stuff, but it's mm-hmm. not, he's not just a serial killer. Right. So he is one of the names that Batman goes to, but it turns into a Hannibal Lecter style thing where he, he Batman plays the Jodie Foster role, kind of the mm-hmm. young detective trying to get figure, figure out what's going on. And Hannibal Lecter is, or sorry. And, and um, calendar man, man is the, the guy in the know who's always like, you know, he's on in the bars, but he's he's kind of one step ahead and, you know, just kind of kind of giving Batman some advice and things like that. Well, it's very interesting. You say Hannibal Lecter vibes, which I freaking love that movie. Um, it's also through the glass. Yeah. Just like very, the movie. very similar. I'm sure that they did that exactly for that reason to just kind of to, to give it a, um, a, a similar vibe in comparison to uh, Silence of the Lambs. Keeps the very Halloween horror comic vibe mm-hmm. kind of thing going. Um, and so also Harvey Dent has bought a new house with his wife who has recovered from the bomb. Um, and at this point, Joker is still part of this. Joker sneaks in and he kind of threatens them in a weird way, which I don't know if we even needed that moment per se. That he uh, that Joker threatens which person? Um, he threatens Dent. I don't know if he threatens him, if that's the word. I don't really... I don't understand why he broke into the house. Like, I don't know if we needed that. Moment. Yeah. Okay. You know you're what I'm right. saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. He, I don't, know. I don't, yeah, I don't. Oh, so he breaks in. He, oh, he, no, he threatens Carmine is who he threatens. Oh, I thought he broke in. Okay. Then I, so he broke, I in, he, he broke into, he, oh, he did break Harvey. into Harvey Dent's house. No, you're right. You're okay. totally right. I just kind of. No worries. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Joker, Joker jumps around and like breaks into everybody's house. Just kind of like threatening everybody and just yeah. causing madness i think right now what I the think, joker <laughs> yeah exactly well, that's what i like about the joker and this this is not a full joker story you know this is we're getting little vibes here about you know the joker he i mean the dude's insane and he he thinks this is his town for the taking and he is ready to um he re- he's ready to to make that transition and that's what we really see obviously by the end of this this book but you know he threatens Harvey Dent by breaking into his place. He goes to Carmine Falcone's place and threatens him as well. Um, mm-hmm. And he kind of, he, he's just, he's causing chaos to the the establishment, if you will. And right now the establishment is the mob um, and pretty much the good guys. And so Joker's come in here to just fuck everybody's head up. Yeah. 
Which is was very Joker of him. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Uh, and so my question was here, but it's answered answered in January. I was like, why does Joker want to find Holiday so bad? Like he he's really he's jealous. He's jealous. He's <laughs> he wants, jealous. He wants to be the only homicidal maniac in town. Uh, and you know, I, I I find that I find that fun. I find that kind of different. Where we know the Joker in a town of homicidal maniacs, but as of this moment, he's really the one of the only early freaks who comes in. Um, again, similar enough with the Dark Knight. I'm going to keep making the comparisons because yeah. Dark Knight in that movie that was run by mob bosses until the first freak comes in and it's the Joker. And <laughs> that's the same thing here, where he is like, uh, uh-uh, uh. Buddies, it's my town now, and that's that's kind of what he's uh, what he's doing. And he doesn't he doesn't want to share. He doesn't want to share yeah. this town with another weirdo because to him, he's he's the greatest. He's the only well, one. He's in for a surprise because this town is full of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we'll jump right into January, which was one of my favorite um, Joker moments, where he hops on a plane because he wants to release this gas onto Gotham. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, he wants to yeah. to kill Holiday and stop Holiday, just like Batman does. And, but in his mind, it's ah, I might as well kill a whole fuck ton of people just to, yeah. in hopes that ba- that killing Holiday as well. And Batman's like, God damn it, Joker! No, what are you doing? <laughs> And this is the first time, I mean, if this is early Batman, this is kind of the first time that we see the Joker and Batman dynamic where he's like trying, he's not going to kill him, but he's going to try to stop him. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You can tell they've met a few times, but still it's just like Batman still doesn't really know what to do with Joker right now, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's like, I don't know what to make of you, dude. Uh, It's so, I mean, so each, each month that goes by, any major holiday, and this one is New Year's Eve, Mm-hmm. It, somebody is shot, and it's not anybody super significant. It's not the the jo- the Roman Falcone who's like the main mm-hmm. dude until you know, kind of like the very end. Yep. But um, but somebody is shot. It's one of his goons. It's one of um, just like a bodyguard. Yeah, somebody that's related to him, right? Yeah, it's exactly. It's it's kind of been side people so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite artwork in this one is the Joker, Batman, and then the clock striking midnight for the new. Oh movie. yeah. Yeah, you that is a that? good one. That's a whole. It's a whole like two pager. Yeah, it's yeah, a good that one. That was good. That was good. I had to yeah. zoom in on that one. I was on my iPad for that one. Yeah, all those Joker <laughs> teeth. There's so many teeth. <laughs> so many teeth. Uh, all right, so we got February, which is Valentine's Day, and this is when Harvey but, Dent and Gordon. But I, oh, I just please. want to add one that you forgot. A very important. The death of January it was Albert. Falcone, Albert, yeah, Alberto. Falcone. Oh, that's a huge one. Please explain. Go, go, I just go. Want, yeah. So he Please. was standing outside of like this boat. It's a whole big yacht party, um, mm-hmm. and he's the good son. He is, you know, he's kind of the one that um, uh, that Carmine has said. You know, he's gone to Oxford or to Harvard, and he's a Rhodes yeah. Scholar. You know, he's he's tried to keep him separate from the dirty business, um, but that didn't stop him from getting shot and killed, and his body fell into the water uh, in in that uh, New Year's Day. So yeah. just a important death on that one because this one this one hit even closer to Carmine. Yeah, it was literally his son. Even though he's a very um, he doesn't really pay attention to his kids. <laughs> <laughs> no, he doesn't. He is not winning Father of the Year anytime soon. No, but he acts like he cares, but he really doesn't give a shit. Yeah. And well, the thing about Alberto is that he is the good son, but he's also like the disregarded son. Alberto's like, mm-hmm. I have a good idea, Dad, and he's like, Fuck off, kid. You don't know nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very much so. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's very much like, oh, no, he dies. Like, I felt bad for him. I was like, oh, man, <laughs> poor guy. Yeah. He's like the runt of the litter, but not on his own. Be- like, he doesn't want to be, but he is. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's got that whole nerd look and everything to him, scrawny and glasses, and it's just like, sorry, man. And I think that's probably yeah. partly why his, his dad doesn't um, – I don't know, doesn't want to give him any uh, trust or anything because he knows he's not an intimidating guy. And so right. he's like, well, he can't run the mob because look at him. He's a dork. He's so. a dork. <laughs> Nerd. The yeah, Nerd. They, now they do. Yeah, I love nerds. I love nerds. Uh, okay, so February is when we get one of my favorite characters, as you know. Um, mm-hmm. But let's start off where Dent, Harvey Dent and Gordon, they go into the Wayne Manor, which is just like this extravagant tall place, and they look so tiny compared to it. And they're going in there because they think that Bruce may be – they want to investigate him. Exactly. They think he may be a killer. Right now, I mean, there's just – Rumors all around that anybody could be the killer, but they, they, I mean, they have it on good assumption. Okay. There are some ties to Bruce Wayne and Carmine Falcone. Um, there's, they've had some business together. What is going on? And so we're going to investigate that because then it could lead to more. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, and then we see um, there's this lady who's kind of hooded and uh, mm-hmm. Bruce is hanging out with Selena. She gives him a rose and the rose pricks him with the thorn. Mm-hmm. Who could this be? Oh, no. <laughs> I, was, I wonder. My, I was like, ooh. My question to Well, I guess we'll talk. Maybe we'll talk about it in the. Yeah. Um, What's your question? The, Go for it. Well, Mexicans, yeah. what are your thoughts on. The uh, well, actually, I guess we do get it in this month. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the look of Poison Ivy? Because she looks pretty different in this one than she does in some other uh, artists who've drawn her. Totally, I feel that Poison Ivy is usually super hypersexualized, um, which I don't have a terrible problem with unless it's just so unnecessary. Because her character is very sexy. Yeah, that's how she uh, that's- seduces. Exactly. That's totally part of her character. And it is part of her, I don't know, empowering um, evilness, if you will. Sure. <laughs> that, that is that is that is her attack uh, is by using the pheromones and using her sexuality to get the things she wants to make people do what she wants so she can get, you know, whatever she's trying to get. Exactly. Exactly. On the nose. Yeah, it's um, but I, I really did. To answer your question, I love this art because it just made her into this giant, beautiful, lovely like tree mm-hmm. kind of thing going on. And she was bigger than her body. Like it was her body. And then instead of her hair being red, it was like she was just this beautiful piece of nature. Which yeah. I really did like. I appreciated uh, it. Absolutely. It was all like leaves and clovers or whatever, like just just kind of just coming from her and not just her controlling or her other stuff because a lot of the times exactly you just get that skimpy outfit and the red hair but this one you're i really felt that she was part of nature in this one yes. and, I, and i did like that yeah i appreciated it and we see that she is uh she meets mr master wayne in his garden and they kind of have mm-hmm. a little makeout moment but this the i think they did more than that I'm not going to lie. They, they probably ended up doing some more than that. <laughs> they probably did. They probably did. Um, she, But the prick of the thorn was very much uh, part of her spell, which I know that sometimes she has a spell like on her lips when you kiss, mm-hmm. you know, when you kiss Ivy. But it might have been like double. It's like in your blood and on your lips, but lips buddy. Yeah, you know? yeah. exactly. <laughs> Uh, but there also is a moment in here where we realize the reason why Harvey Dent 
and uh, Captain Gordon go to the Wayne Manor is because they are under suspicion that Bruce, like we mentioned earlier, that Bruce Wayne is part of this whole holiday deal. And the reason why they think that is because they have this little squirmy guy called Vernon that works at their mm-hmm. oh, their and you can office. just yeah, he he works. He's like um assistant DA or secretary to Harvey or something like that. He he works for Harvey, but he you can tell he's. Gormy from the beginning, right? Yeah. Like, who is this guy? He just kind of pops up. I think he popped up in, in a couple months ago or a month ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is working for Sal Maroney. We have not brought up Mr. Sal Maroney yet. Can you explain who this guy is, please? Yeah. So Sal is another one of, like, the, the main mobsters in Gotham. Basically, he is, uh, I wouldn't say, like, the right-hand man to Carmine, but he is, he's, like, the, the main... Um, threat to Carmine but at the same time like you know all mod bosses they seem to they seem to like keep their friends close and their enemies closer that kind of mm-hmm. thing because he shows up at you know weddings he shows up at uh, all this other stuff all these parties um, but he is basically like he he's the next man to take over and, and to just kind of force his way to owning Gotham and owning Gotham's mob scene so he he's like the you know the other yeah. bad dude yeah the other bad dude which that okay, so that dynamic I was a little confused about when it comes to the uh, uh, Falcone and Maroni. <laughs> Falcone and Maroni. Yeah. <laughs> um, are they rivals at one point? Yes, they are. They're one hundred percent rivals. Yeah. Okay. That's okay. It. Copy because that's just really important. Rival rival mob families, if you will. Okay, and so Maroni he pays Vernon, the squirmy guy at the agency, to make false evidence that Bruce Wayne is part of the holiday killing spree kind of thing. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So let's jump to March and March is Ivy's month. This is Ivy's month and I love it. But we're also introduced to this character that is Falcone's daughter who is basically like, if you, if you know, Mr. Miracle, it's like big Bertha. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Kind of. I'll give it that. Like giant muscular, gonna take business character her uh, name is sofia falcone gigante yeah gigante i mean there you go you got gigante in there yes i mean this yeah. is right there <laughs> she's a giant she's gigante awesome. gigante i love it i love it i love it um but the, the really funny thing about this uh is that we see that bruce is definitely under ivy's spell and he starts he wants to do business with falcone's imports now and he's like all right fine we can do some money laundering and everybody's like what's going on bruce what's mm-hmm. what's going on there yeah well, yeah. No. Um, and it's funny because I don't know why I said it's funny. It's interesting because March through probably August, it they didn't absolutely have to be there because they kind of flow very quickly. Like all of a sudden, like the issues got shorter and shorter. I mm-hmm. felt like I felt like they just were like, oh, shit, we have to go through the whole year. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, there were some that seemed like filler months. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Um, yeah. I mean, this kind of a, is a side storyline with some of this poison ivy stuff but I, I do like it but i wholeheartedly understand yeah it does it gets a little slow in this part right you're like mm. um but i think that what's most important about this part is that catwoman saves bruce wayne from ivy's temptation i i re- i'm a big fan of that fight um again you're just seeing the uh, the badassness of catwoman i as i mentioned before i love catwoman in this <sighs> book and how fucking intimidating and scary um i would not want to get into an mma fight with her <laughs> she'd no. tear, tear me a new one um but yeah so she she fights poison ivy and ends up um scratching off all of the uh the poison ivy you know that's controlling bruce and that mm-hmm. kind of stuff but you know she 
she, in her own weird way, you know, she does love Batman. You know, the Selena Kyle loves Bruce. And I'm even this early in the comic book, I think that Batman knows Selena Kyle is Catwoman and Catwoman knows Batman is Bruce Wayne. Um, And so, but they, but they still dance around it and they still pretend that they're separate people, but they still, but both Batman and Catwoman have a very interesting sexual dynamic. And obviously Batman and Selena or Bruce Wayne and Selena have a very, um, you know, uh, a relationship, you know, in the quote unquote real world. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Catwoman you know, comes and saves him and because that's that's her man, you know, even yeah, even even if it's, you know, even if she somehow didn't know that it was Bruce Wayne. But I feel, of course, she has to know it's Bruce Wayne because one, she's Catwoman. She's got some heightened sense of smell. She's got to know it's the same freaking dude uh, that she's been shacking up with. (laughs) She's got a she knows Bruce Wayne's smell if, you know, they've been sleeping together. So I imagine she knows Batman's smell. Um, But even if not. Bat, Batman is Catwoman's guy, and she yeah. she is through that this throughout this book basically, and so she goes in and saves him from Poison Ivy because like, fuck you, that's my man, you know, or that's you know that's my person. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, so. absolutely. And even just after this, we find out that Falcone is actually paying Ivy to he paid Ivy to do the whole thing. So now we realize yeah. that Falcone's. He's hiring the freaks, man. Exactly. So this is a big step, and it's a uh, contentious step amongst the other people in the mob because mm-hmm. you know it is this so far in like Batman Year One and this you know at the beginning of this the freaks are complete freaks. They're outsiders. The main mob people do not like them, and so Falcone hiring Poison Ivy because of her powers, so he can get that vote from Bruce Wayne, so he can mm-hmm. get his money laundered, and so he can continue the business, um, that pisses off some of the other people. And then this is kind of the start, you know, the, the freaks are gonna, they're just kind of inching their way in. The freaks come out at night, everybody, <laughs> the freaks come out at night. They're here, they're in Gotham. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. So we're gonna jump right into April Fool's Day, which of course we get the fabulous Riddler. I love this story. Can you please explain this one? I was a little confused, so I want to make sure I get the facts right, but I feel like you might know a little bit more than me. Yeah, so this one is uh, this one's a little weird. At the end of it, always still kind of kind of confuses me. Um, yeah. But, and not really. I mean, I, I'll, I'll go over my theories at the end as to okay. why the end of, of uh, um, April happens the way it does. But... Carmine Falcone, he's already hired one freak, so now he's like, screw it, I'm going to hire more freaks. So he hires yeah. the Riddler to try and solve this holiday thing because this holiday people is killing his guys. And right. so he he's like, all right, you've got to solve this for me um, because, you know, there's apparently no riddle you can't solve. And this is obviously, I think, still pretty early in the Riddler's time as well mm-hmm. in Gotham because he's not, he's not in perfect Riddler form because he doesn't know all the jokes are bad his jokes are bad (laughs) so bad and so he's just kind of like throwing out some random things like oh maybe it's catwoman or maybe it's whoever and then he's like well maybe it's you carmine uh which kind of like pisses off carmine because he's like fuck you you don't know what you're doing uh and so he throws him out and that's where holiday shoots at the riddler but shoots all around him doesn't Mm -hmm. kill him because but i'm April Fool's Day. 
<laughs> right, he's the only one that gets out alive. And I actually looked into this trying to find like a theory. I'm like, I don't understand why he did it. So the reason, I don't know if it's the reason, but one of the theories was because um, the holiday wanted to spread a message that he's going to come get him. Like, yeah, that's possible. Is that right? That's possible. But- I ha- I have my own theory, but okay. I have a question for you though. Was because you know Falcone did say, "Hey, go take him to the alley." Was it the holiday or Falcone? One of Falcone's goons that shot at him. Oh, I that... don't know. I maybe I'm incorrect and I misunderstood that. That's where the part I was a little confused. Um, who killed him? Because each holiday holiday um kills somebody but this one i was like is this the one holiday that i mean obviously they don't kill anybody but like is this the one holiday that they don't show up because it's just so interesting that he goes Mm. into the alleyway and then he's shot by somebody yeah right away as if as if the as if holiday was um holiday the villain was waiting for him you know like so it could have been one of falcone's guys Right, right. Then I was like, oh, shit, it's Falcone's doing this, but why would he kill his own guys? That's where I started to get a little yeah. like, what's going on here? This stuff. And so my my theory behind that is that the person who is Holiday, the villain, at this moment is really diving into the psyche of wanting to be one of the freaks. And so I think, oh. I think this person who is Holiday on this time – is just like, you know, the freaks do their own weird freaky things. And Holiday might be taking the April Fool's holiday, you know, right on point and being like, right. you know what, I'm going to screw with everyone today because that's yeah. what you do on, on April Fool's Day. And so that's right. my theory is that the current killer, the, the current holiday killer um, is just they're transitioning from a regular serial killer to a quote unquote freak, like, you know, like the Joker, like the Riddler. And so that's why they're taking this more serious or more um, on the nose of the April Fool's. Oh, I like that. And it's, it's really appropriate that the Riddler isn't the one that shot because then everything after that is just a riddle. Like Mm -hmm. when it, especially when Batman tries to interrogate him in the bar, he just keeps turning things into riddles and Batman's like, tell me who it is. And he's like, riddle, riddle, riddle. That's terrible (laughs) riddle. Like, like, oh God, it would be so frustrating if you were Batman and there's gotta be a sketch somewhere where somebody's just like, Batman's just getting so fucking frustrated because this guy will not tell him what's going like, oh, I would not want to come in contact with the Riddler with anything having to do with figuring out a a mystery. Yeah. (laughs) But Jim Carrey's Riddler is definitely my fave. It's pretty awesome. It is pretty awesome. So then we jump into Mother's Day and Father's Day, which is kind of a blend. And I think the reason why they brought these together is because obviously Mother's Day, Father's Day, Bruce Wayne, the whole reason why he is Batman is because of his parents. Your your mom's name is Martha. My mom's <laughs> name is Martha. <laughs> yeah. That, that what is of, that from? Oh, oh, from the movie, right? That's from Batman vs. Superman. Yeah, that's Amazing. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. Um, so he goes about their graves on these days. On um, during Mother's Day, we meet Scarecrow, who's broken mm-hmm. out of jail. Um, and then there's a moment where Bruce Wayne runs away from Gordon, which I don't really understand because Bruce Wayne didn't do anything wrong. Well, th- I think they were they were trying. Well, they were, they were going to try and get him um, to look into him for something. Uh, but I think it's the same kind of stuff where they were still trying to interrogate him about. Uh, working with, you know, doing business with uh, Carmine Falcone. Uh, because okay. at this point, 
you know, he was under Poison Ivy's spell and he had done business with him. So I think they're trying to investigate him for that. But mm. Batman uh, was under the influence of Scarecrow's oh, fear toxin. And so I that's see. why he ran away. He ran away because he was like, he was fucked up in the head. And I so that he has these illusions um, of the night that his parents died. And, you know, he's just he's just running away because he's this he's this kind of becomes a scared kid in his head and things like mm. that. That makes sense to me now. I, I understand. I was like, why is he running? But yeah, he did all these things from Ivy's spell and then Scarecrow. Okay. Yeah. And so then Father's Day comes along and Bruce has to go to court to testify for all the, the things that he did. Exactly. And Alf- yeah. Because I mean, Alf- he, he was taking, you know, mob money and laundering it. Now, granted, he was doing it under the guy, under, uh, you know, with under a spell. Yeah. But, a spell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Alfred like does a mic drop moment where he mm-hmm. testifies for them. And what's interesting is that at the beginning of the Father's Day issue, they reveal that Bruce's father saved Carmine the Robin Falcone. So they are led to believe that because now that Bruce is working with uh, Carmine or Falcone, uh, that he is just kind of prolonging or just continuing his father's legacy of saving these guys. So mm-hmm. they have a, you know. And yeah. then what is, can you explain the mic drop moment <laughs> for Alfred? It was pretty, it's quite fabulous. I don't know if you're, lo- I'm not looking at it. So, it, oh, but it was yeah. really, it was really oh. awesome. Um, but he just kind of says something like, well, then, you know, uh, Gotham was kind of messed up at that time or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, basically because... Uh, he kind of talks to them about the night that Thomas and Martha got killed. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, just, just talking about how, you know, that was another, that was a crime that never was brought to justice. Um, and now he kind of says, well, maybe Gotham hasn't changed all that much. And then they're just like, oh, snap. He just uh-huh. burned all of the justice system right there. <laughs> Boom. And so Bruce is acquitted. Thank God. Yay, Alfred. Yep. Um, but this is, but you guys have to know that throughout this, Harvey Dent is like popping in here and there. We've still mm-hmm. got the 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 Trace Amigos over here, um, Gordon uh, Dent and Batman. And they're still trying to figure things out. So this is happening continuously. There's a yep. lot happening at one, at all the same time in all of these issues. Um, but we are introduced to the Mad Hatter, which I did not know that was actually part of Batman's rogues gallery. Yeah, he's an interesting uh, little villain. I mean, he does everything based off of stuff from the Alice in Wonderland. You know, he quotes it a lot or he does his little crime sprees are kind of always um, somehow tied into uh, Alice in Wonderland. But yeah, he's he's the main as the main kind of villain in um, Haunted Night, which is another Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale book. Uh, that, that came out before this one, and it's it's also pretty solid. It's much shorter. It's much, it, it, but is um it's fun, and so I think that's probably why they brought him back because they must like him. Well, what's interesting is that you say Alice in Wonderland moment. Um, in Batwoman, which was part of our OCD's second episode mm. ever, uh, Alice is uh, Batwoman's twin, and she is very much part of that whole Alice in Wonderland theme. So it's very interesting that that is huh. interwoven in Gotham. Interesting. Do you uh, yeah. remember? Did you I, read that? I, I haven't read that one actually. Oh, yeah. So um, that's a good one. Yeah, put it on I, your list. I will definitely put it on my list. That's very cool. I wonder. Uh-huh. I wonder if they've had any kind of team ups or you know that they've uh, crossed paths at all. Yeah, I wonder that too. Um, I haven't watched the Batwoman show in a while. Um, very curious how that's going to continue. Thought, thoughts on Ruby Rose not coming back and them going with someone else? Sad, because she is the perfect Batwoman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, perfect. I mean, she, she kind of fits all the the different stuff, and so, um, yeah, she's got the look. She's got she's got the LGBT 
Yes. Sorry, LGBTQ cred, if you will. That's really not the right term for it, but Mm -hmm. that's a character who embodies that. And so Mm -hmm. having someone... um, Now, I know this... uh, this the current actors the actress that they got for it is by and there was some pushback even on um ruby rose because she Jeez. wasn't quote-unquote gay enough and so seriously I, yeah I, it, but then there was also some pushback on the people who said that which is just like are you yeah exactly are you fucking kidding oh, me and so i hope that that doesn't come back again because this person is by and quote-unquote not gay enough which i really hope people just are you fucking kidding me Come so. on, guys. If you know that gay life, you know that gay life, period, yeah. full stop. I, fuck. I hate that. Yeah. That's a whole nother so hope, podcast. <laughs> hopefully hopefully that stuff is done and that's that's not really the case. But it was yeah. a um, a quick little thing that uh, that Ruby Rose, some some people pushed on it and it's just it's just dumb. Oh, yeah. God. That is so dumb. That is so dumb. That's, yeah, like I said, a whole nother podcast. I've got yep. feelings. Yep. Fair enough. Yes. I've got feelings. Okay, so we're going to jump right here into July, Independence Day. And I think the really big takeaway from this is that uh, Harvey's wife, Glinda, reveals that this whole Roman case is really eating away at Harvey, mm-hmm. which is a, I didn't realize, is a huge foreshadow moment into the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, which is yeah, really important. But there's it, this. It, oh, sorry, and just basically the, you know, yeah, a huge foreshadowing moment on. I would say both sides. You know, it's it's eating away at the conscience of of bat of sorry Harvey Dent, but it's also you know it's it's been eating and it's been a, a huge issue on their marriage, which is going to be mm-hmm. one of the twists that we get later as well. Yeah, which is <laughs> crazy, crazy mm-hmm. twist I did not see coming up. Uh, Okay, so July, August, Roman holiday. Did I miss anything in July except that the Gotham Coroner's shot, which is very interesting, but it's not really yeah. part of the Goon Squad. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's some, the Batman meets up or Bruce Wayne meets up with Selina at some point, and some more of those um, Harvey Dent, Batman, and and uh, Gordon. Jim Gordon moments and stuff like that. But yeah, the, mm-hmm. but the coroner, exactly. That's the main thing. Is the coroner is killed. That's the main thing. And then, okay, so here we're going into August. They they choose Roman Holiday, which I've never heard of other than the Audrey Hepburn movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me neither. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Gilda, I said Glinda, I think it's Gilda. She finds a gun and she's like, yo, Harvey, husband, dude, this is like the gun that is part of the holiday case, WTF. Yeah. Uh, it has the sawed off numbers on the gun, which is a big deal because they can't trace the gun anymore after that yeah it's looking really uh bad for harvey that this is that harvey very much might be the uh the holiday killer yeah real real sketch mr dent real sketch uh but this is a huge huge moment that creates the ultimate one of the ultimate villains of batman's rogues gallery during a trial for sal marconi the boss they call him he throws acid in mr dent's face he does and he was given that acid which we see by harvey dent's um the the skeezy guy that works for him uh oh god what's his name the little blonde nerdy guy yeah the guy that uh thinks that bruce wayne is is a i'm like scrolling through my notes i have no idea what his name is but it's some some squirmy little dude i think it's like vernon or something like that yeah vernon is it thank you vernon fields i think uh yeah that's it but he he kind of um sneaks maroni uh maroni the uh the acid as a like ulcer medicine antacids but but it's in there and so yeah so you can hear you absolutely see that um even though you had kind of seen it earlier because sal 
paid him off for some from info or things like that earlier that you know this vernon fuck vernon what a jerk fuck vernon vernon go away yep go (laughs) um so now we're into he will don't worry he will go away (laughs) he will go away that's right you're right he does um okay so we're in september so they choose labor day holiday for this one dent is just in bandages he seeks out solomon grundy um you know, Batman just doesn't believe that Dent would do it because everything is just absolutely pointing to him. Mm-hmm. Sal Maroney is shot. There's so much happening. There's so much mo- more movement in the plot than I've seen in the book in a minute, especially after the acid moment. Yeah, they got it. They definitely amp things up um, over like this, these last five books or whatever it is. They definitely, you know, they're they're moving along because there's a lot of a lot of people to kill yeah. and a lot of things to wrap up. Yeah. Oh my gosh. When I got to the the last Halloween um, issue here, I was like, "Oh my god, this book does not die." There, it just there were so many moments where they could just be like, "And done," but it was like, "Yeah, just go, go." <laughs> it it kind of, yeah it did. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, do you want to reveal who first says that he is Holiday? Yes. So, um, as Batman and Jim Gordon are kind of transferring Sal Maroney because of, you know, him him throwing the acid in the face or whatnot. So they're transferring him to like some other prison, quote unquote. But it's all basically it's all a trap to try and draw out the holiday killer, which mm-hmm. they do. And the holiday killer shoots Sal Maroney in the head and it is revealed to be bum 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 oh. Alberto Frank Falcone. What the <gasps> heck? Oh. Adam, I thought he was dead. What he are you did. saying? On New Year's Day, he fell off the boat and was shot. And what the heck happened? Yeah. He he not dead. He very He's much not... alive. Exactly. And he basically admits like, yeah, it was me. I'm a badass. I'm the holiday killer. Motherfuckers. Motherfucker. I think that was in there. Motherfuckers. Mother, motherfuckers. Yeah. With an A. With an A on the end. Um, And there is a moment where Batman poses as a guard. Which is very interesting because his yeah. bat ears hide under. I the know. It's kind of, yeah, it kind of thinks like, yeah. So are they like spring loaded or how? Yeah. You know, wh- why? Why are those things down in the helmet? But you pop up and they just they stick right up. Boing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But this is also a moment that we were talking very earlier in the podcast where um, Batman's morality is because he's very early stages of Batman. It's very it's very much questioned at this moment because he just wants to beat Alberto to smithereens. He's like, you destroyed Gotham. You must die. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You see that. And it's all in kind of like internal monologue. And, and yet 100 percent Batman is just he, going he's, at it. Yeah. He's got Alberto bloodied. And it's bloodied. Um, and Gordon's the one that stops him and is like, hey, I don't think you want to do this. I know you want to, but I don't think you exactly. want, you want and to. And that's that's why I would absolutely um, uh, challenge the fact of Batman being the moral center of Gotham because he's not. He, he has some immoral aspects to him. Jim Gordon is the heart of Gotham. He is the moral good guy almost all always doing the right thing and just, you know, no matter what he finally follows the law where Batman doesn't, uh, Jim Gordon is like, you know, that, that hero to a T. Exactly. He's got, and he kind of plays as, as much as Alfred plays a father figure to Batman, Jim Gordon does as well. Absolutely. He's like the other dad. Um, he's very much like the action dad. Whereas Alfred's like, let me keep you alive. Or Gordon's like, let me keep you from killing people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, but what I love is that so the holiday killer is caught it's in the newspaper and Mr. Falcone he visits his beloved 
air quotes, beloved son in jail. Mm -hmm. And I love what Alberto reveals here. He reveals the, he knows that he's not the holiday, but he reveals that the reason why he said he was the holiday is because he can go down as having like the best street cred, better than his, his dad. That's all he's ever wanted. I mean, at this moment, you don't, he doesn't, he doesn't like really say that I'm not, holiday i mean he's wholeheartedly is and, and i and i think he is i mean he's definitely is holiday at the i mean the worst we saw him kill um the sal uh yeah. and and then there's no other of course there's no other reason why he wouldn't kill the coroner uh, it's kind of explained so it had to be him there and very likely yeah. him when he killed um his aunt something vd i forgot her name yeah uh, VD, i think it's literally v-i-t-i some, yeah yeah mm-hmm. um but yeah so he's definitely he's definitely a holiday killer i'll mm-hmm. stop, stop right there yeah, he is a holiday killer. But he he mentions very much so that, you know, you you fucked up. You know, I wanted to be part of this business and you didn't let me do it. And so I'm doing this on my own, man. And this is basically the time for, you know, me with my all my now cred that I've got from doing all this, you know, kind of kind of being one of those freaks stepping up into having his own nickname and all this kind of stuff that really, you know, wasn't as part of um the mob by mob style thing, but you know, he is, he is an eccentric killer like the jokers, like the Riddlers, like the whoever other people. And I yeah. think that's, I think, I think that's him lashing out against his dad. Like, you know, cause they, they fought the freaks. They basically, they didn't trust the freaks and they're like, ah, fuck these people. We're the, the people in town. And so now his own son who, you know, hated his dad for what he did to him was like, fuck you. I'm one of these freaks and I'm going to be uh, the next big guy in town. Well, I love the part where he's like, when's my birthday, dad? When's yeah. my birthday? <laughs> like, it, I, uh. <laughs> he even says it was on one of the holidays that I killed somebody on. So it's like, oh, shit. Shit. You don't fucked up, daddy-o? Nope. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I love that part. But the part that I love even more is we cut through these shots, a.k.a. panels, where we see like the jail cells are empty. The name, we got Pamela Isley. Her jail cell is empty. We got Solomon Grundy, who has a, I don't think he's in jail, but there's another person. I think it's like Jonathan Crane, who's yeah, Scarecrow. That's Scarecrow, j- yep. Exactly. His his uh, jail cell is empty. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. And then we cut to we're in Falcone's office. We got Solomon Grundy. We got Mad Hatter. We got Penguin, who's the first time we've seen him. Yeah. Got- yeah. He doesn't show up in this one. At all. I think I'm pretty sure he does show up in Dark Victory. OK. Oh, perfect. I need to read that one. Um, and then we got Poison Ivy. We got Scarecrow. And we've got Catwoman. They are all in Falcone's office yeah. waiting for this dude. And I really like seeing Catwoman here because it just kind of reminds you, yeah, she's in it for her. You know what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was kind of helping out Batman before. And there was all this kind of, you know, sexual tension. And, you know, she was always kind of watching stuff and, and whatnot around that seemed like, okay, maybe her intentions are suspect. And maybe she's scoping out to steal some shit. But here it's like, yeah, she's also a bad person at times. She's not always the good person. And I, that is that is a very cool aspect of her character. So cool. Now, that's a great point. I love seeing Catwoman here as well. It's like, yo, I thought you were on our side. But she's like, nah, bruh. <laughs> nah. I'm her, bad guy. Particularly, Batman even says, like, what side are, are you on? And she says, I'm on the side I've always been on. Which she doesn't say, but you know, she's talking about her side. She doesn't give a fuck about anybody else. It's her side that she's on. (laughs) Yes. And that's why I love her. I love that girl. She's awesome. Um, And then I was like, okay, now we're done. This must be the end. And everything after this is just going to be a bunch of variant art. Nope. Story keeps going for like 25 more pages. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Damn it. 
so Batman flies in and he's like, I'm going to save the day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's going to kick all these, you know, these, these people who have invaded uh, Carmine Falcone's house and whatnot. Uh, and he does. He beats up a whole bunch of them, except Two-Face has got Carmine, you know, held to a gun to his head mm-hmm. and he fucking blows his head off. Uh, yes. Pew. And this is when we really see this like giant, which I didn't realize that Harvey Dent was so giant, but he got these big shoulder pad blazer or something. Yeah. Like he, right? <laughs> Am I right? He's like as big as Batman here. Well, you know what? It could be, you know, because it's set as a like, kind of a slightly older comic book. Maybe, yeah, maybe he just has um, that, you know, big shoulder pads or that big suit that uh, the guy from Talking Heads wears every now and then. Uh, something <laughs> like that. I don't know. Yeah, he's a bigger guy. He's definitely like the leader of this crew right now. They don't even know who their leader is, and they chose him at this point. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's the one who um, set them all free that you kind of see in a little panel. There's one panel or two panels where you see him. All those jail cells are open, and then you see one where it's uh, obviously it's kind of two-faced Harvey Dent standing in front of Calendar Man, and then he just says, sorry, turns off the lights, and Calendar Man's still in jail. And I think probably because he was – you know, giving advice to Batman and, and Two-Face is like, now nah, fuck you, you're staying in jail, buddy. <laughs> I didn't, you know what? I caught that part and I had mm-hmm. to read it twice. I was like, why is he saying sorry? Okay, that makes sense. He's like, sorry, I didn't free you, pal. Kind yeah, of thing. I'm, I, that's what I, how I took it. Okay, I, I see that. Yeah, he was like, yo, you helped out Batman. Okay, cool, yeah. cool, cool. Um, and then this is when we're kind of introduced to the coin moment where we realize that Harvey Dent carries this coin with them and it, depending on where it flips, it's you're either innocent or guilty and then he will proceed with his next action. Mm-hmm. After that. Yep. Um, and there is this quote that's in there from our beloved Batman, our beloved dramatic, traumatic man of a dude that I wrote down. Uh, okay. Because I thought it was so awesome. He's standing by a gargoyle on the top of this, this, this building in Gotham because he's so, he's Batman. He said, I made a promise to my parents that I would rid the city of evil that took their lives no matter what the evil looks like or becomes. I believe someday we'll make good on that promise. I have to. I believe in Batman. Yeah, which is, I think, a kind, a nice little thing where they um, they set you up using kind of like the writing rule of threes, where he did like that line of, I believe in whatever. The first one was, I believe in Harvey Dent. The next one was, I believe in Jim Gordon. And then in this one, it's like, okay, I put my trust in Harvey Dent and he fucked me over. Um, I put my trust in, in Jim Gordon and he isn't really willing to break the rules when they need to be broken. Mm-hmm. I have to trust myself. I believe in Batman to save this city. And that's that. A little, little bit of self-love there, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love we you, all man. need a little self-love every now and then, Tess. It's true. Oh, my gosh. So true. Um, okay. So, Adam, I'm going to let you reveal what's going on here. So, let me just say one more thing before you reveal the big the big uh, Mrs. Dent part. So, yeah. Harvey Dent, he says that there are two killers. He is uh, arrested by Captain Gordon. He's sent to Arkham and because uh, he's crazy he's he's crazy at this point and mm-hmm. they are like you're the killer you're the dude and he says there were two killers so i'm thinking harvey dent plus two face okay that one is. plus one is two but that's not the case adam what's going that's on here not the case after that sweet batman monologue on top of the gargoyle we then uh cut to gilda uh mrs dent who kind of like is burns up all this evidence stuff and kind of has this own uh, monologue to herself talking about how she was the first holiday killer and she basically she did it to um, try and create more time for her and Harvey. That the fact that they couldn't live together, she thought in her own head, 
damn it, all of these mob bosses are ruining my time with my husband. I'm going to fucking kill them. Yeah, so, I love this. She's yeah. like a homely housewife. And she's yeah. like, I'm going to go kill some mob bosses. <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> is interesting. And it's there's a lot of different interpretations to that. And I was trying to look up because... For me, I really like the twist of Alberto Falcone. Like the first time I read this, I thought that was a lot of fun. You know, I mm-hmm. didn't see it coming. Maybe call me ignorant. Some people that I read, you know, you read comments on Reddit. And they're like, oh, so obvious that Alberto was the killer because <laughs> he didn't you didn't see his body. And I'm just yeah. like, fuck you. I didn't I, I didn't pay attention to that. <laughs> but like and so these last these last couple pages where Gilda kind of reveals herself as one of the holiday killers used to really piss me off because mm. I was like, damn it. I already had the twist that I liked um, right. of it being Alberto Falcone. And then, you know, of the two, I, I liked Batman's kind of wrap up of, all right, well, the other killer, the second one that Harvey Dent alludes to must have just been Harvey Dent because he killed Carmine on uh, Halloween at the end. Mm-hmm. But, and so I, I didn't need that extra twist, but when I kind of started reading into it and really thinking into it, um, I got, I've, I've come to a conclusion that I like okay. because they don't really explicitly say who killed everybody on each month. They okay. just kind of say it's kind of obvious that that Alberto killed a couple, um, that Gilda obviously killed some uh, or killed at least one or some. And then potentially Harvey, at least Har- at least Two-Face killed Carmine at the end, mm-hmm. maybe earlier. It's hard to tell. Um, so my current theory is that Gilda, as she mentioned, because she explicitly says, I started this thing or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So I think she was the first holiday killer. And she killed um, Johnny Vitti to basically try and like either start a mob war so they would kill them, kill each other or whatnot. Uh-huh. So then hopefully Harvey could have more time with the family and that kind of stuff. Um, now, I don't think she continued being the holiday killer after that because in the second book, um, and I can't remember what, whatever, whatever that next month was or whatever it was, uh, was the one after their house had blown up and she Mm -hmm. was in the hospital. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I don't think she was faking being in the hospital and then got out of the hospital, killed, uh, all those Irish people and then went back. There is, there are some theories that say, that's when Harvey Dent took over the mantle and killed them as retribution for blowing up his house and hurting his wife. Oh, okay. Potentially. Okay. I, I'm not sure I like that one because I kind of like, I kind of like, I'm trying to make everybody correct where, sure. um, where there are only two holiday killers and those holiday two, those two holiday killers being Alberto and Gilda and mm. Two-Face not really considering himself a holiday killer. Um, because he just he was killing Carmine. I think he only killed Carmine at the end, and then he also killed Vernon. But um, I think at that time where um, uh, Gilda was Gilda? in the hospital mm-hmm. and she had already killed one of them, that is where I think, obviously on his own, we didn't see any panels or any of that kind of stuff. Is where something kind of snapped for Alberto, and he wanted to become one of the freaks, where he <sighs> took over the mantle of holiday killer. Cause I think, I think Gilda just did it once. Now we see some times where like the panels have, you see like the knuckles and they're obviously hairy guy hands and stuff like that. So it's like, Ooh, those, yeah. it was not Gilda in some of those panels for sure. 
I mean, I guess you can always wear a guy glove or whatever. Um, <laughs> I mean, hell, Harvey had a Irish say. Irish dude mask. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so my theory exactly is just that is where the rest, all of like pretty much at the very beginning, the first one was Gilda. All the rest were Alberto, and then he, because he wanted to cause madness because he hated his father, and he hated that he wasn't a part of it, so he took that opportunity to where Gilda didn't, wasn't really, she was kind of a holiday killer, but she wasn't really, because she only killed that one person, in my in my opinion. And then um, Alberto did all those other ones where he wanted to cause madness into his father's uh, regime, and then he, you know, quote-unquote, killed himself so he wouldn't get caught and then he started killing other people to help keep his identity secret including the coroner as i mentioned including um his aunt etc etc um and so he kind of became a copycat killer but he really became the holiday killer because he was the one who was doing it excessively and then harvey um didn't really take up that mantle but harvey once you know harvey wanted to get uh, you know, he was he was crazy at that time, and I don't think yeah. he's a holiday. He's fucking two faced at that time, and he killed two people as opposed to just the one. And so that's also mm-hmm. partly why I don't think. Well, I guess you can kill multiple. The the scratch that, reverse it. But but, but anyway, <laughs> um, so that's my theory is that Alberto Falcone killed pretty much everyone in between the first and the last. Okay, okay. See, but I'm... but there's a lot of different theories out there, and you can interpret it a lot of different ways. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I didn't even look up theories. I was just like, oh, she was it the whole way through. But now that we're going back, I did not catch the part well, where Alberto actually killed someone. The way that I interpreted it, which this is my first time going through, and I know that you've probably read it a couple times, uh, probably more than twice, um, mm-hmm. a few times. Um, it was just interesting that I didn't think that he killed anybody. I thought he was lying the whole time. And- which, is, which are some people's... Um- Thoughts, absolutely. Some people 100% oh. believe that. And they think it was pretty much Gilda and Harvey were the killers. And he is just, he's just crazy. And he's just taking the, the opportunity um, to, to do that discussion. But for me, my only, my only pushback on that one was why kill the coroner then? The coroner was a citizen. Why would Harvey or Gilda kill the coroner uh, for the Alberto? Cause he was the coroner for yeah. Alberto and all that stuff. Like, I don't, I don't see oh. that tie. And so I feel like that one has to be, Alberto. Alberto. Okay. Just... See, that makes so much more sense because I was like, why would they kill the coroner of this poor dude, innocent dude, just trying to clock yeah. in? But he, because he probably, ah, he's the only one that knows that Alberto isn't actually dead. Exactly. I understand. But, I mean, there totally Ooh. could be another, you know, I mean, hell, you know how fan theories go. People yeah. people dive deep into that shit. But so, so yeah. some people do believe that Alberto is just, you know, basically playing crazy guy and taking the credit so he can, you know, kind of be a big wig name. Oh, see, okay, so I can see all of that, but also I'm like, how did they coordinate it to be like, okay, you're gonna take this holiday, and then I'll take Valentine's <laughs> yeah. Day because it's my favorite holiday. Like, it's it was just interesting how it was a holiday killer, or like you're saying, did Gilda start it, and it just happened to be on a holiday? Maybe the the first couple just happened to be on a holiday, or she scheduled it, scheduled it that way, put it in her Google Calendar, kill mobster, um, or. Like, and they were like, oh, that's a good idea. I think I'll just kill somebody on the next holiday. Like, mm-hmm. just weird how they all kind of coordinate it. So, yeah, there's, but I love also that he keeps it so open-ended like that. It is. And that, as I kind of mentioned, the first few times I read this book, that Gilda twist kind of bothered me because I couldn't 
wrap this one up in a nice, neat little bow like I wanted to, and I, and I just didn't feel the Gilda thing fit. But this last time, reading it for this podcast, I was like, you know what? I'm going to dive into thinking about it more, and I've yeah. come away with something that I'm happy with, and, and actually, I appreciate that even more so in the book. So before, where I was like, I want to end on that awesome panel of Batman on top of the gargoyle just saying something. Yes, I want to. I want to cut it there. <laughs> yes. Now I'm like, you know what? I've surmised my own enough theory to appreciate all of this book. Yeah, you can. Yes, I I appreciate this because it reveals how Harvey was born. Um, mm-hmm. He's born from anger of just wrongdoing from his family. He's born of people kind of not believing his work when it comes to him being a detective. Um, he's or maybe he's just living out his true passion. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, a bunch of things. No, I'm glad that we read this book. This was very interesting. And this has been on my list for a very, no pun intended, long time. <laughs> Ew. I mean, and it's Ew. a big one. It can be intimidating for a lot of, uh, you know, comic books. Yeah, it's 13. It's a whole years worth plus one of comic books put together for a, a single series so um yeah. it, it's not a, it's not a short journey uh but i think it's it's a it's one of the batman stories that is so worth it yeah um you know i mean can i can i ask you as someone who has you know read a, a couple batman stuff by now um you know how did you feel this one stood up to some of those other storylines that you've heard that you've already read so the only Batman stuff that I've read is like TMNT Batman yeah. crossover. <laughs> I think that's the only one I've read. Okay. The other ways I just know him from the movies and everything is very much like Batman focused. And as you know, I'm a huge fan of Harley Quinn, so I'd rather read her comics. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I'm like, I know the Batman story. Yeah, the pearls and Alfred. Yeah, we get that. Um, <laughs> oh my <laughs> right. God. I, you, you see it so many times in the movies. The problem is the movies show it way too many times. Like I, I don't need to see that damn scene again. Just cut it yeah. out. We know how they died. <laughs> they went to a movie. And exactly. Did, and an ad, don't go down dark, dark otherwise. No, I'm glad that I read this. It, I like that it shows the beginning of Batman and him trying to figure out where his morality rating kind of lies. And it really shows his dynamic with the city of Gotham and getting to know it and it shows the birth of these villains and how they kind of they get to know each other over Harvey Dent, like, you know, kind of a thing. And I like how, like I said, I love the Harvey Dent origin story. I like that this is in my um, my I want to say plethora, my category of yeah. what Batman is in a story and who everybody is. It definitely helps out a ton. I, I love the villains of Batman. They're probably my favorite part of the Batman stories. And I think that's what makes this book and Dark Victory um, to, to just be more fun for a lot of people. Is they bring in a lot of that rogues gallery. It's not This is not just Batman versus Two-Face, you know, and we're going to have that for a whole bunch of stories. This is everybody comes in you get a little bit of joker a little bit of poison ivy a little bit of riddler a little bit of whoever catwoman yeah. etc uh, and so it's like you're getting a whole bunch of his villain group in there and for like this and they all kind of tie in and they all have their little part to play in this big uh important storyline form and so i i do i appreciate that i like seeing all of the different uh, characters Exactly. It's that's what makes it so cool. It's like you can find because everything you were mentioning at the beginning, every single villain, every single person is so varyingly different. Like there's no two characters that are absolutely the same anywhere in Gotham. That's why people are like, oh, I'm going to find that person that I relate to. Like if you had to pick someone in the Batman's like world that you relate to the most, like who would you pick if you had to? I mean, 
I'm totally Batman. I'm just kidding. I'm not Batman. <laughs> and that's okay to be Batman. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm not a Batman. I'm, I don't know. I'm a pathetic side mobster guy who probably gets killed off in an early monster. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 that is a tough question. That I need a, a lot more question. time to think about that one. Okay. You're, you're right. No, no, you're right. Okay. So my theory was not proven. Okay. That's fine. Um, no, it's okay. I'm sure like you'll text me and be like, oh, wait, this one. Yeah. I figured it out. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I like uh, to think Bane because I like to think I'm a big, strong guy. And so yeah. I'm like, yeah, I want to be that. But um, I don't know. I'm it's hard. Not. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's hard. You got to kind of look at it, look at each person. Because I know that you're a person that like, if you're going to make a decision like that, you want it to be carefully considered. I, yeah, so. I, want it, I want it to be right. <laughs> yes. Yes. No, I understand. No, it's all good. Um, well, Adam, thank you so much for reviewing this line by line with me. You've been so patient and awesome. I really appreciate it. No, I mean... Thank you for letting me introduce Long Halloween to you. As I've mentioned, this is one of my favorite Batman storylines. And so I'm really excited to, to share it with somebody who hadn't read it before. Um, and it's really, really fun to talk about it. So, yes, it's just a great one. It's always fun to revisit it. And I'm excited. I'm going to go and listen and, and read Dark Victory probably this weekend. Okay. Um, and, and if anybody hasn't read Long Halloween before, freaking do it. <laughs> Freaking do Sorry, it. Sorry, fucking do it. How about fucking that? Fucking do it. I mean, yeah, you gotta, yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Um, okay, Sir Adam, will you please plug your awesome podcasts? I can. I have three fucking podcast people. Oh, you it's do a have lot. three. Oh I do my have god, three. I forgot. I'm oh, it's so totally okay. Sorry, that was an accident. Okay. Oh, no worries about that other one. But I'm just saying, I've got a lot of podcasts. You do. Uh, between the Blast from Our Past podcast that has a lot of episodes, uh, between the tri Throwback Trivia Takedown, which is our my latest one, but I love trivia and I do the both of those with my brother. A lot of fun. And then I have another one that I do with uh, Corey Stevenson. You may have may not heard of him. I don't know. He's a douche. Um, but, <laughs> but. We do one where we're going episode by episode of Seinfeld and watching mm -hmm. that. So my life is fully consumed by podcasts right now. So I just yeah. I talk about it all the time. It was fun <laughs> to just kind of read a comic for a bit and talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. You love comics. That's your other love, too. You love yeah. all like cool nerd media. Nerd, yeah. I've I've been in the, the nerd sphere. realm. Yeah, yeah. Sphere for a little while. And I appreciate it. it it's, it's home to me. Oh, good. Well, I hope you felt uh, at home here at OCD. I was very certainly glad that you came over here. I hope to see you in the future. I hope you come back. I'd love to be back anytime. Awesome. Thank you, Adam. I appreciate it. All right, guys. We'll see you tomorrow for the 12th day of 31 days of horror. Say bye, Adam. Bye, Adam. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Ongoing Comic Book Discussion Podcast 31 Days of Horror. If you like what you're hearing, please follow OCD on any of your favorite podcatchers. Take it a step further and leave a five-star Apple Podcast review. <laughs> that really helps me out. Thank you. You can follow OCD on Instagram at OCD Podcast or facebook.com slash OCD podcast. Tune in tomorrow as I review another horror Halloween comic. <laughs>
la la. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la.